Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Chof Beis. We will start, it's the new parak. we'll start from the beginning of the parak. Today's Shiz Li'ilu Nishmas, Ben Zion Ben Ze'ev Avram Halevi, Yehudis Ida Bashmul, and Shulamis Bas Ben Zion Mordechai. This is also for Rafur Shleim of Shmuel Ben Leah and Esther Bas Rachel. May they have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, today's the 36th day of the Omer. Hayom Shishol Shloshim Yom Shem Tamisha Shwas Yom Echad Ba'omer. Okay, so let's start the new parak. Interested, this parak is primarily going to be about the pious, the lottery, the way that they divided the. The way that they used to divide the void in the base Hamikdash. So, interestingly, the, the Rishonim write on our Mishnah going to the question of we know that the Kohen Gadol had to do the avoiders on Yom Kippur, but what part of did he have to do every avoider, most of it? Which avoider did the Kohen Gadol have to um, go into? So, and and so the the Bala Ma'or, that's a commentary on the Rif, comes along and says. The, Yom, the Kohen Gadol had to do every single avoider on Yom Kippur, even the Truma Sadeshin, which was done at night, etc. And he says, therefore, this, therefore, the pious, the lottery of which Kohanim got to do, which avoider, did actually did not take place on Yom Kippur. That's quite an interesting point to think about. He says that there was no pious. There are, and interesting, he brings that, oh, what about all the piyutim that mention the pious? You know, in Yom Kippur, there are lots of those what we call um, poems about the avoid etc mentions the pious he said it's a mistake they the, those who authored the payotim overlooked our mission overlooked our maserta um the, the ramban in his milchomos he challenges the balmor says firstly the payotim were great great sages so how can you make them how can you say that they just made a mistake he said secondly if there was no pious on yom kippur why does our maserta bother discussing it Save it for Tamid, the daily after the Masechta that goes through the daily offerings or the daily avoider. Why have it in this Masechta? Must be that there was a bias. And therefore, he he wants to. And then once you've come onto that Raman, that there's and also yeah, did I mention the Payotim, the P Paitanim, I think is what they called the people who authored the davening, the songs that we have in davening were great, great sages. They weren't just anyone who decided to write a poem about uh, Yom Kippur and got inserted in the davening. They were Gadolei Ator who wrote those poems that we base our davening on. So to come along and say that they just made a mistake, the Ramban uh, says is not, uh, is incorrect. And then there are various, and then once you've come on to that, that, that the Kohen Godel did not do all the Avoida, so then there's an array, a range of opinions of what he had to do. Some say he... The, the Ramban seems to say he did all avoiders except the Truma Sadeshen. Um, the, the Ritva seems to say, no, the only avoiders he had to do were the ones that were unique to Yom Kippur. But again, there's that whole range of opinion. Interesting enough, what avoiders did the, Yom, did the Kohen Godel have to do? But I like the, the Ramban's argument that why is this parak here discussing the pious, the lottery, how they divided up the work, if not for the fact that the Kohen Godel um, 
that that they did a lottery on Yom Kippur. Okay, let's go into the Mishnah. At first, anyone who wanted to do the Trumas Hadashin could do it. The Trumas Hadashin was, in a way, the first avoid of the Beis Hamidash. It was done around dawn, as we saw a few days ago. And they would take a shovel full of ash and put it on the east of the Mizbech. Um, so they had it, whoever wanted to could go and do it. What happens if there were a few Kohanim who wanted to do it? They would race up the ramp. And whoever beat his friend into the first four Amos of the top of the ramp, he merited to do it. If they were both equal, what happens if two tarred? So again, so the fastest Kohen or the strongest Kohen got to do the Trumas Adeshen. If they tied, um, the one over them would tell all the Kohanim, not just the two who tied, but all the Kohanim who, were, who wanted to do the Avoida, to put out a finger. And Mahain Moitzin, what would they put out? One or two fingers. We'll see in the Gemara when they would put out one and when they would put out two. And they would not put out their thumb. The Gemara will explain what's the problem with that. Why, why did they put out their fingers? Why didn't the Kohen just um, count the person? Because we know you don't count Jews. Um, we'll come back to that. Well, yeah, we'll come to that in the Gemara. So that's what they used to do. They used to have this race. If there are two Kohanim who tied winning the race, then they would do a pious. It says there ain't a lottery to see who got to do it next. It once happened that two people were running up the ramp. Two Kohanim were running up the ramp and the one pushed his friend and he fell down and he broke his leg. Since based in saw that this method of having a race to see who determined led to danger. We see that they, they decided that you can only do Trumas Hadashen through a lottery. There were actually four lotteries done each day to determine who, which Kohanim got to do which avoiders. And this is the first one. I, the first lottery was to determine who got to do the Trumas Hadashen. Um, so just a few points on this Mishnah quickly. Um, you're not, you shouldn't be, we know you're not allowed to run in the shul. This the Shaitis Arya asked. I don't know if you asked it from exactly this, uh, the Gvura Sari asked it from this uh, aspect, but you're not allowed to run in the shul and definitely not the, the base Amidash. So how could the Kohanim be allowed to race up the ramp? So he suggests, he says he's not entirely happy with it, but he suggests that maybe since it's for the avoider, to run up the ramp, to be able to do the Trumas Adeshen, that's, uh, um, that's why they were allowed to run. Um, a second obvious question is why, if the two people who tied, shouldn't you choose between them? Why do all the Kohanim who didn't, who are there, get to join in this, uh, the lottery? Why not just the two? So the one answer given, quite a, I guess a practical answer, is the way that they did the pious, and this is important for the rest of the parish, they, or the Kohanim would stand in a circle and put out their fingers. The Kohen Kodol, that's his view, put out a finger. The Kohen who was in charge of it would say a large number, 
And then he'd count around the fingers, counting each finger. And whosoever's finger land on, that's who wins the pious and gets to do the avoider. Now, if there are only two people, well, then there's no surprise. If he chooses an even number, it's going to be the second kohen counted. And if he chooses an odd number, it will be the first kohen counted. So that's why um, he has to do... A, um, that's why you have to re-involve all the kohanim. Yeah. Um, interesting halacha that touches on this way of doing the lottery and this lottery is what happens if you have two people in shul who both want to say Kaddish or a few people in shul who want to say Kaddish and they each uh, we know there's a list of preferences but what happens if two people have the same level chiyuv, the same level of entitlement to do the Kaddish or to daven etc so what do you do um, that's touched on this. Do you do a lottery? Once you're doing a lot, obviously, so we know there's Yotzat, Shloshim, um, etc. All these occasions that people get a right to daven. Um, do we allow the... Who do, um, who do... Yeah, so once you've gone through the list, what happens if two people tar for the right to do it? So maybe you should include everyone in the recalculate in the lot when you flip a coin to see who gets to do it. Maybe it shouldn't be just between the two who have the highest chiyuv. Maybe it should be between all the kohanim, all the chiyuvim once you come into determine. Okay, but that's a separate discussion. Um, let's go on. There is more to discuss, but let's go on. It says, says, at first, why did the rabbis not institute a lottery? For we know there are four lotteries in the base Amigdash, as we mentioned at the end of the Mishnah. For three of them, they had a lottery from the beginning. And why for the Truma Sadeshin did they not have a lottery? Why didn't? Why? But this avoider was it the one avoider that whoever got there could do it. And, have, and if there were a few people who got there, they would have a race. Why didn't they institute a lottery? I should mention that, remember, the Kohanim were divided into 24 Mishmaros. And each Mishmar served a week. And the Mishmar was divided into a base of six Bate Avos, six base Av, and each day a different base Av would serve. On Shabbos they would all serve. So obviously when we discuss who gets to do the Truma Sedeshen and who's involved in the lottery, obviously it's of the Kohanim who are supposed to serve in the base Amikdash of that day. But again, back to our question that the Gemara asked is, why did they not institute a lottery from the outset? So he says, at first they thought, since it's not an avoider for night, that since it's an avoider that was done at night, it's not so important, and no one would bother coming to do it. Or they won't come to fight over it. Again, since it wasn't most avoiders, all the primary avoiders in the base and Midash are restricted to be to being done in the day, you have to do them in the day. If you shech the korban, not at day. If you sprinkle the blood, not at day, etc. All these avoiders, if you don't do them at the day, they're invalid. So maybe everyone would think, oh, you know what, an, an avoider like the Truma Sedeshen, which is done at night, isn't a real avoider, isn't so important. So they won't come to fight over it. It says, When Chazal came along, when they saw that there were, that people did come to do the Truma Sedeshen, the Quran did come to do it. And not only that, it brought about Sakona, they fought over it, Paisa, they set up a lottery. So you're telling me, basically, our, our, 
What this is based on, he said, if it's an avodas laila, the kohanim wouldn't necessarily view it as so important. He says, sorry, they wouldn't institute a lottery for it. He says, what about the limbs and the fats that are burnt at night? But they included in the lottery. Again, if it's an avoid of the night that the kohanim didn't, that they didn't think the kohanim would see as so important, why did they make a lottery? For the burning of the fat. Says no, it's so far voted to Yamamahu. That's concluding the day service. Aye, so it is. So they would view it as important. Oh, hi, Nami Tchilas Avodas to Yamahu. Well, burning um, a Trumas Hadeshin is the start of the day's Avoida. Says the Amr Rabbi Yochanan, how do we prove that it's the start of the day's Avoida? Rabbi Yochanan said, Kinus Yarov le Trumas Hadeshin le Machar, ain't sorry, le Kadesh, Ekfar, Kilesh, Mitchilas Avoida. A kind Godel who sanctified his hands. Remember, before the Kohanim did the Avoida, they would have to wash their hands and feet um, for the Avoida. So, if a kind did that before doing the Truma Sadeshed, he doesn't have to rewash his hands because he's already sanctified them for the beginning of the temple service. Aye, the Kohanim had to do, as we know, the Kohanim had to do Kirishidim Baratlaim before doing the Avoida. Once done, once a Kohen did wash his hands for the Avoida, he wouldn't have to wash them for the rest of the Avoida unless he got distracted, he had Hesech Adas, or he left the Beis Amikdash. But that's when Doraisi would have to redo Kiddush Shaddai, he would have to re-sanctify his hands. Revi holds that there's a Xerah Drabonim that for the new for the start of the new Avoida, the Kohen Godel had to, even if he's been in the base of Mingdash the whole night, and he did it yesterday, he still has to redo it for the new day. I, it's similar to Lina. We know sacrifices, etc. are not allowed to be left overnight. So, so to his hands mustn't be left overnight. He must, even though he's been busy in the base of Mingdash and hasn't had Hesachatas, he must still redo the Kiddush Yadayim right line. But, Rabbi Yochanan says that Rabbi agrees so, so let's assume it's at dawn. Okay, it could be dawn, it could be sunrise, but let's see when dawn comes, a Kohen who has been busy in the base of Midas the whole night would have to redo his Natilasi time. What happens if he washed his hands before doing the Truma Satation, which is before dawn? When dawn comes, does he have to wash his hands again? So he said no, because it's the beginning of the Avoida. So he says, uh, so, so that seems to be a question that... How can you say that they didn't institute a lottery because it's part of the night avoider when really it's the beginning of the day avoider? So Kohanim would view it as important and they would fight over it. Why did they not institute a lottery? So he says, no, The case is where he already did netilas, he, he washed his hands for the beginning of the avoider. Um, so what are we saying? Um, so we we started with the question that why of all avoiders is it the Trumas Hadeshen that they didn't make a lottery for? And we said because it's a night avoider, Kohanim would not treat it, would not view it as so important, they won't come to fight over it. And we answered that no, it is so important. Um, they, and then they did treat it as important, so they had to make a lottery for it. We asked, ah, oh, but what about other night avoiders? What about 
it seems to be the start of the day of Voida, and all those, and we answer those questions. Just interestingly, um, to think about, to consider is, how does this, what's the reason we do Natilas Yadayim in the morning? So there's two main reasons and a third side reason. The two main reasons are connected, and the side reason and the sec, well, the third reason is a totally different reason. The two main reasons are that what's called the Machloke is Rosh and Rashba. The one says that the Rosh holds, the concern is that at night you touch the part of your body that's normally covered, and therefore, anyway, when you're going to daven, to mitzvahs, etc., you have to wash your hands. And that's why, so it's almost a practical uh, thing. Anytime you're basically not aware of your hands, and then you're going to go do something, you should wash your hands. Um, that's the rosh. The rash beholds no. It's like we're a new creation, new, new for the avoider of the base amigdash. Like the kohanim used to do, kiddush adam Every time they would start the avoider in the base amigdash, so too we're getting up a new day, a new opportunity for avodas Hashem. We should do netilas uh, yadayim. Um, interesting. If you tie that into al gomorrah, so what would be if someone was up the whole night? So according to those, if you're following when the Kohanim had to do their Natilas Yadayim, their Kiddush Yadayim, well then according to this, we would also, if someone's up the whole night, if a Kohen's up the whole night, even though he's been in the Beit Samitash, even though he's been serving Hashem the whole time, he still has to do Natilas Yadayim again. So so too fast, when you get up, if you're up the whole night, you'd have to do Natilas Yadayim again. As I said, that's a discussion um, closer to Shavuos, we can discuss it in more detail, because um, that's when it's often very relevant. Okay, Ika to Omri, a different reason. He says, Why did the Kohani, why did they not institute a lottery for doing the Truma Satation? Because it's done at night and people are overcome by sleep. So the Kohani would be, I'm not getting up early to do the Truma Satation. I want to sleep a little bit longer. Since they thought not only the Kohanim came for in time for the Truma Sadeshin, they also fought over it so it came, it caused, it was dangerous, they instituted a lottery. Says, oh, what about the burning of the fats and the limbs? That also, won't people want to be asleep? It's done over the night, so people will want to be asleep. So why did the rabbis institute a lottery? He says, no, shiny migna me makeup. It's much easier to, it's different going to sleep than waking up. Most people find it much easier to go to sleep, sorry, to resist going to sleep than to fight getting up in the morning. And most people find it much, much harder to wake up. And that's why they thought the Kohanim were going to be like, I'm not bothering to get up. It's too tired. So that's the um, so that's the reason that there originally wasn't an institution because they thought Kohanim just wouldn't be coming for the Truma Sadeshin because it's so early in the morning it's done around dawn. But then they saw that Kohanim did come, so they had to institute a lottery. It says, but you're telling me that's the reason for the Takona? There's another reason. The Tani we learned in a Brisa. Misha Zoho Batruma Sadeshin. They said that the one who merits the Trumas Hadeshin also merits to set up, to organize the pyre and to put the two logs of wood on the pyre. I said, that's why it's not, the reason that it's not a pious is because it was included in another lottery. 
of who gets to put the wood and arrange the pyre. So Amar Ravashi stayed takonas habu. Ravashi says it was a two-stage takon. He says meikoras habu la asu. At first they thought the kohanim are not going to bother coming for the truma sedation. As we've explained, it's too early and they're all asleep. Kiven dechazu dechazu. Once they saw that they came, vaasu nami lidei sakona and it also brought them to sakona. Takinu le paisa. They instituted a lottery. I, there's the key to Takinule Pasalois, but once they instituted a lottery, no one came. I, everyone knows if the Kohanim thought, oh, you know what, if I get up early, I have a chance of doing the avoid of Trumas Adeshin, so I'll make the effort. But once it's a raffle, I'm not going to bother getting up early to face the raffle. So Omri, they said, Who says that the raffle, that I'll win the lottery? says, So once they saw that all the Kohanim stopped coming, they reinstituted that, um, that they then instituted that not only do you get to do the Trumasatesh and you get to do the Ma'arocha and the two blocks of wood on the Ma'arocha in order to cause Kohanim to come. Uh, again, fascinating. So that they, you've got to be very careful when you, t- when you tinker with the system. That's what happened here. They had a system that whoever, whoever wanted to do the Trumasatesh just had to be the fastest person up the ramp. And lots of people came to do that, all lots of kind came to the degree that they realized that wait, actually it's getting dangerous. Someone pushed someone off the ramp and he broke his leg. So they realized they better do something about that. Um, so they made a lottery, but they tinkered with the system. No one wanted to get out of bed to face a lottery. If I knew I had a good chance based on my speed, my effort to do the avoid, I'd get out of bed early. But once it's up to a lottery, I'm not going to bother rushing to the base of Migdash. To, you know, who knows if I'll even win. So then they had an institute that you also get other prizes if you win the lottery to make it worthwhile for the Qahanim to get out of bed. Okay, now we're going to Bizman Shaheen Marubin. Mention if there are a lot of, um, see what was that? You know, when there were a lot of Qahanim, etc., Bakhulu, um, Basically, they would race. Up. Whoever got there would do it. But when there were lots of Kohanim, they'd have a race up the ramp. So Amar of Papa Chitili Arba Amos da Now, where are those four Amos? So Papa says it's obvious to me. It's not the four Amos are not the first one to within four Amos of the ramp. Rotsim Voilas Bekevestan because the Mishnah says ran up the ramp. It's also not talking about the first person into the four Amos on the ramp, either at the bottom of the ramp, just starting it. Why? Because it teaches that they raced up the ramp, they ran and up the ramp, and then it teaches that whoever beat his friend was the one. And the baby baby nami, the loma Simon milsa. It's also obviously not somewhere in the middle of the ramp, because. How do you know where the middle of the ramp? It's not clear who would be the winner then. So he says, Pshita Li. It's obvious to me, the Gabe Mizbech, that it's whoever gets within the first four Amos of the top of the Mizbech. So the race is up the ramp to the top of the ramp. But now Rav Popa is going to explain where he does have a bit of a question. Boy Rav Popa, Arbo Amos She'obru Bahade Amo Yesod Va'amasoyvev Oidilma Bar Me'ame Yesod Va'amasoyvev is this four Amos within the, uh, within the 
foundation, sorry, the, yeah, the foundation and the sofave or not? I remember the base, the Mizbeach, before we get to the ramp, the Mizbeach had a base, which was an Amma in, and then a bit higher up, about the middle of the Mizbeach, it had another Amma in. So now the ramp fitted flush with the Mizbeach, so the ramp actually, I mean, was built a little bit like a staircase, if it, not a staircase, but two stairs going in, so that it fitted flush against the Mizbeach. Now if you think about it, therefore, when you're within two Amos of the top of the ramp, you're directly over the base of the Mizbeach. If you, you'd have to go another two Amos along the ramp to get to the top of the Mizbeach, but that's because the top of the Mizbeach is two Amos in. So Rapopa says, where's the race to? Is the race to in line with the base of the Mizbeach? I two Amos before the top of the ramp? Or is the race right to the top of the ramp, right to the actual Mizbeach? And take it leaves it unresolved. Then we said, um, if when the if the two people tied, the Kohanim would tell all the Kohanim to hold out a finger. So there's a price that elaborates on this. It says, It says that why would they hold out a finger? To count them. They, they each each coin puts out a finger and the coin counts the fingers. It says, Why not count the Kohanim themselves. Why not? Why not just go one, two, three, four? Why did they have to put out a finger and you count the finger? He says no. Messiah Leila Rabbi Yitzchak to Amar Rabbi Yitzchak also Lamanu. He says Israel afilu ledvar mitzvah. This is a support for Rabbi Yitzchak, who says that you, it's forbidden to count Bnei Israel even for a mitzvah. Tichsiv as it's written. Now we're going to bring two sources from where Shaul did a census. And he did it without the king King Shaul. He did it without um, using, without counting the actual soldiers, the actual Jews. It says, and he counted them through shards of pottery. I, each person came and gave him a shard of pottery. Says, or, no, sorry, every time a person walked past him, he'd add a shard of pottery to the basket. Maybe this word bezek doesn't mean shards of pottery. Maybe it's the name of a place. And I'll show you. We know that there is a place called bezek. The chief of bezek. Etc. So we see that it was actually a place. It says, So it must be from the following source. Um, Shaul listened to the people and he counted them with lambs. And what did he do? He moved every time a Jew walked past, he'd put another lamb in the pen or something like that so that he could take a census of the Jews. But there we see, now why didn't Shaul just actually count them? Because you don't count Jews. What comes there too? It says, um, The Gemara asks, oh, Omer Rebelazor, Kalamamunes, Yisrael, sorry, not asked, it points out, anyone who's appointed over Yisrael, over, sorry, Kalamamune es Yisrael, anyone who counts B'nai Yisrael, transgresses over beloved, negative commandment. Shenemar, as the Apostle says, Vahoyom mispar B'nai Yisrael, kacholayom asher loy yimad. The Apostle says, B'nai Israel will be like the sand of the sea, Asher lo yimad, which you shall not measure. I, we generally translate it as can't be measured, but law also means shall not. It says, Rav Nachman Yitzhak says, you transgress two negative commandments. It says, you shall not measure and you shall not count. I too isurim. K. 
Okay, so just before we go further, interesting enough, so we see from here that we don't uh, count Ben Israel. We know it says you're not allowed to count Ben Israel in Shmos, but it seems there you might have thought that's just for, I guess, political purposes or interests, but maybe where it's counting Jews for a mitzvah, you can count them, and we learn from here that you're not allowed to count them. Not only that, a sage goes as far as to say that counting Jews transgresses neg two negative commandments. Um, interesting enough, so you can't count them by their head or their body because that's their essence. But you can count their fingers. I mean, that's how they did the lottery in the base of Bidash. Each Kohen would hold out a finger and they would count the fingers. Um, now, interesting enough, Rabbeinu Bachir on that parsha there says a beautiful idea. He says, why can't you count in Israel? Why is it so strict? Everyone knows these things. You don't count Jews. We don't count. So that's amazing. Um, Rabbeinu Bachir says, because you've got to remember the Jewish people are one unit. And as soon as you count them, you're separating them into different units. And it's very dangerous to do that. It's dangerous for the Jews themselves. And I think it's an important lesson for us. That as a together, our strength and our value is as Jews together united. As soon as you single us out, that's uh, you're setting... Um, you tr never mind it's also it's very detrimental to the Jewish people we always see plagues etc follow Jews when they're counted um, interesting enough he brings another source there's the um, the Isha Shunamos I don't want to uh, I think it was I don't remember if it was Eliyahu or Elisha but I think it was Elisha maybe it was Eliyahu I don't remember who it was Eliyahu Hanovi or Elisha Hanovi wanted to um, offered to Davin for her and they learned out it was Rosh Hashanah and she said no don't single me out I don't want a special tefillah I want to just be like part of an Israel when a person includes himself in the community then he's joined with the community which obviously is much more beneficial for a judgment and a din however if a person singles himself out he acts differently he separates himself from the community etc then he's judged on his own merit which is a much harder much more severe judgment so it's a very special thing to think about how we must all um, the issue why it's a problem to count Jews okay let's carry on oh one more interesting point relevant to our times and um, relevant to Spiras Omer that also one of the touches on this does can you write if you write the day of the Omer does it count as if you counted the Omer so instead of saying today is the 36th day of the Omer etc if I write it down so I'm writing a letter to someone and I date it today is the 36th day of the Omer have I fulfilled my mitzvah so it's actually an argument Rabbi Kiba Egan the Chassam Sofer um, interesting enough it's a father and son-in-law both uh, towering towering uh, genius and some of our, of our greatest sages in the last 250-300 years um, but the Chassam Sofer argues on his father-in-law and he says it is considered counting silver writing is considered counting this is if I remember the Machlokas correctly I, I haven't seen it in a long time but this is how I remember it um, he says it is considered counting and Al Gamora is a support for that because to take a census you can just, instead of putting a shard of pottery in a basket for every, let's say, soldier who walks past you, you want to see how many soldiers you have for the battle, so you get them all to walk past you and you put a shard of pottery in the basket for each one, just write it off on a piece of paper, put a tick every time a soldier walks past. Why didn't they write it? 
Must be because writing is the same as saying. So if he would write it or tick, it would be the same as if he counted it. I don't know if that's such a strong proof. I think there are other questions we can ask on that. But that's an interesting point that's brought up in that discussion of can you, does writing count, is writing, not count as, is, that's confusing. Is writing considered saying? And therefore, would you be able to write and take a census or not? Okay, let's carry on. Um, Rabbi Yonasan raised a contradiction. It's written, The number of B'nai Israel is like the number of sand, as much sand as there is by the sea. I, it's a large number, but it's a set number. has written, It's impossible to count or measure either infinite. He says, no, this Israel will be very limited, will be a set number, is when they do not follow the way of Hashem. When they follow in the path of Hashem, when they do the will, sorry, when they do the will of Hashem, then they will be infinite. I saw Art Girl bring that from a commentary, that um, one of the ways of looking at it is their value, not necessarily the physical number, but their spiritual value. So when they not do the will of Hashem, they have a great value, kacholayam, but it's measured. It's a set number. When they following in the will of Hashem, it's an infinite value. Rabbi Oymer Mishum Rabbi Mishum Abba Yosi Ben Dustai. Yes, sorry. Rabbi, but when you count people, you say not one, not two, not three, not four. Isn't that the same thing? So it seems, I'd imagine that's a problem. I don't know... I'm not sure. I, I know. I remember we used to do that as like in children and class and stuff. But I don't know where we get that as a leniency um, that you can count that way. Interestingly enough, it's brought when counting for a minion. You know, you want to, you're looking around shul and you want to check you have a minion. They bring there a few sukim or things you say. One is you say hamotzi lechem min haaretz. If you that's ten. Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech alam hamotzi lechem min haaretz. So, so you point, and then if you get up to a multi-lefmenorat, you know you have a minion. So that's not counting people, that's just attributing a word to each person. Another one I think is Hoshia Samecho. Hoshia Es Amecho Varech Es Nachlasecho Urein Venasem Ad Olam. That possible. And there are another few psukim that are ten, so you just count by, you're not attributing numbers, you're just attributing a word from a posuk. And by the end of the posuk, you know the number, but that's, that's what I have seen and heard, but saying not one, not two, I'm not sure. I, I, as I said, I've heard people do that, but I don't know where that comes from. Um, yeah, this is a good question. Um, yeah, no, yeah, good question. I'm not sure. And um, the Gomorrah comes, the Gomorrah gives. So, so we ask the question the one hand of the Apostle seems to give a set number to B'nai Israel like the sand of the seashores. And the other one seems to say that it's infinite. So we gave one answer that it depends whether the Bnei Israel are fulfilling Hashem's will. Rebbe, I mean, Rebbe gives a different answer. Mishum Rebbe Yoisi Ben Dustai, the name of Rebbe Yoisi Ben Dustai, Lo Kashe, Kan Bidei Odom, Kan Bidei Shemayim. One is by the hands of man and one is by the hands of Hashem. Man cannot count them, but Hashem can count them. Always found them this very bewildering because the Jews are one of the smallest, uh, I don't know what, re- smallest group of people in the world in different ways of grouping. 
but uh, what does it mean we like the sand of the seas? That's why I like that explanation. It's our spiritual worth. But uh, yeah, something that's bothered me. Okay, next point. Um, so we mentioned Shmuel, we mentioned Shaul, King Shaul, counting Bnei Israel. So now we're now going to go into that in more detail. Some points regarding Shaul and a very interesting discussion. Okay. Um, when a person is appointed as a ruler over the community, he becomes wealthy. At first it says Shaul counted B'nai Israel using shards of property, shards of pottery, and later on he counted them using lambs. We must have got much greater. Maybe he didn't use his own lambs, maybe he used B'nai Israel. He said for the census everyone has to come and bring a lamb. Then why does it bother mentioning what he, how he counted them, just say that he counted them. Okay, now we're going to discuss, carry on discussing Shaul, and we're going to discuss his um, fight with Amalek, because one of the senses that we discussed was with Amalek. It says, he, Literally, the Potsdiks understood, or simply the Potsdiks understood, as he fought Amalek by the river. It says, What it means is that Shaul justified his Avera based on the matter of the stream. Before we get there, just the background to the story, we know it ends up being very tragic. Shaul goes to attack Amalek. Hashem told him, destroy from the men, women, children, um, men, women, children, animals, destroy everything of Amalek. And we know very sadly that they kept the good quality animals, which they did say to use as sacrifices, but still Hashem had told them to destroy it, and they decided to use it as, um, they decided to keep the animals. And the second thing is he kept Agagalav, the king, who granted he was killed the next day by Shmuel. Um, Agag had managed to have a child, and that child was the grandfather of Haman. So, and that's Amalek still in the world because of Shaul's failing to kill, wipe out Amalek and destroy all the animals, etc. Um, so, it says, so, Omer, Rebbe, Mani, Aliske, Nachal, B'Shah, Shomel, HaKadosh, Baruch, Shaul, Hashem told Shaul, Leich, V'Yikiso, Es, Amalek, Go destroy Amalek. Omer, he said, Shaul said to himself, Uman, Epesh, Achas, Omer, Torah, Havo, Egla, Rufa, If for one Neshoma, if there's one person who's dead, murdered, and you're not sure who's dead, you have to go through the whole Egla, Rufa process. Kol, Anosh, Vashos, Halala, Achas, Kama, Kama. How much more so Hashem would want me to be sensitive to killing so many souls? V'im, Odom, Chait, Bahem, Machot, and granted a person to that Avera, what Avera did the animals do and granted the adults might have done Averis, the children what Averis did they do a Baskal came out and said don't try to be too great at Tzadik if Hashem tells you to do something you do it you don't try to be more pious than Hashem very important concept to discuss we often get caught up in being pious and not um and not doing what we're supposed to do because we want to be more sensitive, more careful than the Torah. It says, The dog shall said to dog, Later on, and basically this was when Shaul, again tragic, when Shaul went to, was chasing David, he thought David was a, a threat to his monarchy, so he wanted to kill David, and the Kohanim, the Nov, was a city of Kohanim, and they hosted David, and Shaul thought they were in on the conspiracy against him, 
So he wanted, so he told Doig to put them all together. Go and kill all the Kahanim. Maskal came out and says, Don't be, don't be excessively evil. I, your, your reaction to Nov Irakohanim is, uh, is, is uh, taking it too far. And interestingly enough, um, yeah, we see both sides. The, Shirei Das Rav Avram Yitzchak Bloch Zeicher Tzadik Kodesh Levrocha, and he he asks, he says, how could Chazal tell that by the fact that, um, well, yeah, this is it's not that exact point, but he says a person who is like who has a distortion in his mind, a crookedness in his mind, that he can go merciful on Amalek, is must be a blotch of cruelty that's blinding him to how bad they are. And that cruelty later expresses itself in uh, Shaul's, uh, in when Shaul goes and instead of dealing with um, Nov, the city of Kohanim, it seems where the Mishkan was, instead of dealing with it in an appropriate way, he went and he got them, the whole city killed. So that's, uh, we've got to be very careful when we notice our midos, our values do not line up in, with the Torah even where they seem more merciful than the Torah, you've got to be very, very careful because you could be heading to one of these uh, things. He says, Rav Huna says, how little and does a person who has the support of his master have to worry or be concerned? He doesn't have to. He says, Shaul ba'achas va'olsalo. David did one avera and accounted against him. David b'shtayim. David did, Shaul did one avera and accounted against him. David did two v'olsalo and they weren't held against him. I, we're going to bring out from here that basically because of this one avera, Shaul lost the kingdom forever. And David Amelech did two severe averas and he got, a, he got off relative, what seems relatively light. He says, Shaul ba'achas ma'hi, what's the one avera of Shaul? He says, doig. This case of Agag, sorry, this case of Agag, where he should have killed all of Amalek and the children, and he left the, and the, the cattle, and he left the king alive. Says What about the severe sin of where he killed, wiped out all the Kahanim in the city of Nov? Says no, Agag. regarding the case of Agag, the pasuk says. Hashem says, I regret that I appointed Shaul as a king. So we see because of Amalek, that reason alone, he lost his kingship. David bishtai, my nihu, what two sins did David do? To Uriah va Udahasto. With Uriah, we know he caused Uriah to die, and Hasto is the incitement. I.e., um, the, the, um, the case of Uriah, we know the famous case, he saw Bathsheba, he went and he slept with her, and then he, he told Uriah to go back to Bathsheba, and Uriah didn't, and he sent Uriah to the battle and instructed Yoav to cause him to die in the battle. So because he caused Uriah to die, that's the one thing it mentioned. And the, had, had, the Hasata, that case of incitement is where David encountered the Jews and it caused the plague. It says, What about the case of Bathsheba? He slept. Granted, the Gomorrah explains how she wasn't really Aisha's ish because she had a get. It was a very inappropriate act that David did. To sleep with Bathsheba for David Amelech says no Hosam Afru Minei. There he got punished. As it's written, the Esak 
the land he should back, pay back fourfold. When the Novi came to show David his Aveira and Halat, he told it through a parable. I don't have time to go through the parable now. But David said, yeah, he deserves fourfold punishment. And David did get four punishments. Yeled, the child that he had with Bathsheba died. Amnon, Tamar and Avshalom, those was all those children of his dad. It's crazy, but Tamar was one of David's children, and Amnon, his other son, raped him. Absalom, who was Tamar's brother, went and killed Amnon, and later on we know Absalom rebelled against David, and Absalom was killed. So David lost four children. That's his payback for what he did with Bathsheba. Says Hossam, that's his punishment. Hossam, Nami, Ephraim, Dilsiva, Yitain Hashem, Dever, Israel. Oh, so too David was punished by counting B'nai Israel, as it says there was a plague from morning until that time. It says, no, it wasn't David himself who suffered. Oh, but so too by Bacheva, he wasn't punished himself. He says, lie, on the contrary. By Bacheva, he himself was punished. The Omar of Yehuda, Omar Rav, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, Shisha Chadoshim Nitstara David. David had Soras for six months. Uparshu Haimenu Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin separated from him. They wouldn't talk with him anymore. Vinistalka Haimenu Shchina. And the Shchina departed from David. Tilsivas is written, Yushuvili Recho, Yodea Desecho. Return to me those who fear you and those who know your testimonies. I want to, I want to, re, I want to be in touch with the Sanhedrin again. Uksim, and it's also written, Yushuvili Sosan Yishecho. Return to me the rejoicing of yourself, of the Shchina. So we see that David did suffer greatly and personally because of what he did with Bathsheba. His Avahomer Rav Kibble David Loshon Hora. Listen, another Avera that David did, he accepted Loshon Hora. Again, this was when David, David was fleeing, well, when David established his kingdom, he tried to, to join up to get all of Shaul's descendants and Yonasan's descendants to show them honor because he had a treaty with Yonasan that he would show his descendants. And he found Tziva, who was a servant of Mephibosheth, who was a son of Yonasan, and Later on, when he was fleeing from Absalom, Siva came and told him that his master Mephibosheth was staying with Absalom. He was hoping to get the kingdom back. And it was wrong. Siva had tricked Mephibosheth into running away from him. Mephibosheth was lame, so he couldn't get there himself. But David accepted the Loshon Horak. So he says, no. So then we see another Avera David did accepting Loshon Hora, And we don't see he was punished for that. So he says, no, Kishmul to Omar, Lokibal, David, Loshon Hora. No, go like Shmuel. He says that David did not accept the Loshon Hora. Oh, Larav, me, Domi, Kibal, David, Loshon Hora, Vahoy, Fremine. Well, according to Rav, Nami, the one who says that he accepted Loshon Hora, he did get punished for it. To Omar, Rav, Yehud, Omar, Rav, Bishasha, Omar, David, and Mephibosheth. When David said to Mephibosheth, Omar, Tiatob, Tziva, Tichoko, Sasote, when David told Mephibosheth that you and Tziva must split the land, I, he wasn't sure what to do, but he kind of believed Tziva. Rechavam and Yerovam must split the kingdom. Okay, I think let's leave it there for today. I was hoping to get a bit further.